pastors and ministry leaders aren't talking about it. They're not going to get up in front of their congregation and say, oh, by the way, I've been in isolation for the last two years. Even though I've been here every week and you see me doing my job, I'm living in isolation. I don't have any friends. I don't talk to anybody. I go home and binge Netflix every night to deal with what's going on. They're not admitting that, but they're dealing with that. Sometimes ministry leaders just need a safe place to talk to somebody, to go have that conversation, to commiserate, or to talk to somebody that understands what they're going through. Because unfortunately, we talked about it earlier, the congregation doesn't get it. They expect their pastor to be Superman, to be Superwoman, to be better than they are. And unfortunately, they're not. Welcome to the Center for Congregations podcast. This is a conversation for anyone invested in sustaining and strengthening their faith communities. The Center for Congregations is an Indiana nonprofit that exists because we believe that the work of your congregation is essential. Our mission is to strengthen your congregation, helping you find the right information or expertise for your congregation's needs. We're able to do this work because of the generosity of the Lilly Endowment. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Center for Congregations podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Ben Tapper, and I'm an associate for resource consulting out of our central office. And I am joined by none other than Matt Burke, who is our Northeast director and our education director from Fort Wayne. Matt, great to have you today. That's all I get is none other. You said what? That's all I get is none other, no superlatives. You know, I thought about being wild, but you know, sometimes you can't be spicy all the time. You got to bring it back to level set so that they appreciate the spice the next time. So that's what I was doing today. Let's see, I disagree. I think listeners are used to, you know, the spice and now you're taking the spice out and then it's bland. So, uh, okay. Okay. How about this then? I'm joined by the incongruent Matt Burke. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but I love it. I absolutely love it. There you go. (laughs) Fair enough. Hey, everybody. Thanks for being here. (laughs) So today we are having a conversation about the importance of clergy care. And I'm really excited about this conversation that we're having. Matt, as I understand it, you've recently had a conversation with someone around this topic. And so I'd love to know how this is showing up in your work as the education director and as a resource consultant yourself. Yeah, well, transparently, I don't want to talk any specifics, but there have been a number of conversations. I've been with the center eight years now, and I can't tell you how many times that I have had a clergy leader open up to me when we've been in a one-on-one conversation. And I get the sense, I could be wrong, but I get the sense that they're confiding in me things that they're not necessarily confiding in other people. And the sense I get is because they don't have anyone else. And so, you know, we're a good listening ear. And I mean, that's not the reason for the Center for Congregations. That's not, strictly speaking, our purpose. But of course, we're happy to give a listening ear. But just the burdens that congregational leaders and specifically clergy carry are really heavy. Hmm. And I think it's so important for congregations to understand that. And I know the way I grew up and the expectations I had on clergy, they were too much. And so I think educating people on the burdens that congregational leaders, especially clergy carry, is such an important thing because I think it's everywhere. And it's probably very difficult to find a clergy leader who has a really good work-life balance and has kind of a fulfilling life 
beyond the ministry to their congregation, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of their family, in terms of their marriage, things like that. I think that's probably more rare than what we think. So I just think this is such an important topic for those reasons. Agreed wholeheartedly. And early in the pandemic, I heard a lot more conversation here in Central around caring for clergy, around clergy mental health and mental health in general. And that hasn't continued. It's kind of waned some as people have gotten back into some of their pre-pandemic rhythms. But I'll say this topic is important to me because of the brief time I spent working on staff in a congregation and just being part of the clergy team and feeling the weight of some of the burdens that clergy carry, even for a brief time. I was just there maybe two and a half, almost three years. And it's heavy and it's varied, you know, and you've got to carry those burdens on top of the weekly rhythms of service and spiritual care and hospital visits, you know, and all these things that you have to hold, the programming that you do. And it can feel really overwhelming. And so if you don't have a good support system, I think it's easy to just burn out entirely. And even those with good support systems still end up burning out. Mm -hmm. So this topic is near and dear to my heart for those reasons. Yeah. And it's also broken my heart. There have been more than one or two occasions where I've had a conversation with congregational leadership and their request of us is to help them find information that will help the congregation understand and have a positive attitude towards the pastor taking a sabbatical. Mm -hmm. And it's really heartbreaking because as we'll talk about in the interview, I don't think people understand how the role of clergy is very different from leadership in all other aspects of the world. I mean, maybe politicians carry some of the same thing. I don't know. I don't know much about the world of politics and what it's like to be a politician, but I know a heck of a lot about it, what it means to be a clergy leader. And, you know, there's a common pushback of, well, you know, I work full time and I don't get a sabbatical, so why should they? Yeah. It's a profound misunderstanding of what the role of a clergy person entails. And I think if your congregation doesn't have some kind of sabbatical program or thought process, I'd encourage you to look into that as a part of what we're talking about in general, which is clergy care. And some of this may come down to a cultural or at least differences in cultural understandings of what ministry is and what ministry isn't, Mm. right? Certain cultures I've encountered, people view ministry, and this is ministers themselves, view ministry as life, Mm. right? It's not a job, it is life, which I think lends itself to more of this like boundary blurring and potential burnout. Of course, I'm in my own culture naming it as burnout. They might not name it as such, but I do think from a capacity viewpoint, like just recognizing the limits of human capacity, even if you do take the view that ministry is life, there have to be some healthy boundaries around it because there are other aspects of your life as well. And if Mm. you're not caring for those, then you're harming yourself. And ultimately, I think being faithful to a call requires you to be faithful to the rest of your life at the same time, right? Mm. And I think that might get lost sometimes. Mm. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, we're really excited about this interview with Marty Sawyers, who's the president and CEO of the Full Strength Network, and he'll talk a little bit more about his organization on the back end of the interview, and John Opelewski, who is the founder of Converge Coaching, and he's one of the coaches that Full Strength Network uses, among others, for their work. But both of them had been in pastoral ministry in various capacities for a period of time, and I really think you'll appreciate their heart and their convictions and how much they genuinely care about the role of clergy in congregations. Right. So next up, our conversation with John and Marty.
Hey everyone, welcome back, and we're excited about this interview. We're here with Marty Sawyers, who's the president and CEO of the Full Strength Network. We're also here with John Opaluski, who is the founder of Converge Coaching. So thanks so much for being here, guys. Thanks for having us. Pleasure. Yeah. And of course, with us is Ben Tapper. Hey, Ben. What's good? Lots of things. Indeed. (laughs) So this conversation with Marty and John, the heart of their work has a lot to do with the health of congregational leaders. And this being the month of October, which is typically Clergy Appreciation Month, we just wanted to have a conversation about a lot of the challenges that clergy leaders face. And I think sometimes it's not known the kinds of pressures that they're under, the kinds of things that they wrestle with. So we just wanted to kind of highlight that. So number one, you clergy who are out there, we want you to know that we see you that we understand that your roles are difficult. And we also want lay leaders to understand just what it is that clergy can go through at times. So Marty and John, I don't know who wants to go first, but what are some of the top things you think non-clergy need to know about the roles and the pressures that clergy are under in their occupations and in their callings? Sure. The first thing that I think that non-clergy should realize is pastors actually have lives too. And they are actually dealing with a lot of the same things that the attenders are dealing with and the members are going through. So they're dealing with the stresses of family and kids and marriage and in-laws and sickness and finances. And they're dealing with all the things that you, you know, as somebody who's sitting in the pew is dealing with and just understanding that so that they're having to go through that as well, I think maybe puts them in a different light and not expecting the pastor to be an expert on everything and also not expecting their lives to be perfect. Yeah, thanks. John, what would you add to that? I would want non-clergy to understand that the role of pastor, especially that of lead pastor, is both an amazing role and a difficult role. (laughs) It's amazing to be used by God in the lives of people. It's an honor. It's a privilege to watch people grow and develop and get free and find their God-given purpose. It's a wonderful calling in that regard, but it's a difficult role at the same time. I spent 16 years in pastoral ministry and 20 years in the marketplace. Being a lead pastor for me was the most difficult role I ever had in my career. And so I would want people to understand that every role has difficulty to it, no matter whether it's in the marketplace or within the four walls of a church. But there's something uniquely difficult, uniquely complex about the pastoral role and specifically the lead pastor role. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks for that. So I'm wondering, as you both were talking I have this sense, and I could be wrong about this, and this might be just the tradition that I grew up in, but I have the sense that the church has kind of learned a bit from corporate America about leadership. And so leaders in the church have tended to mimic leaders in the business world. And there was this sense that for the boomer generation and maybe for older Gen Xers, that they expected leaders to be bulletproof, that they didn't need support, they didn't need help, that really they had everything they needed in life and you could trust and rely on them because they had it all figured out and they had it all together. Is that accurate? Uh, Has that trickled down into kind of current understandings of pastoral and clergy roles, that that's still an assumption in some instances? I think so in some instances, because you look at what the pastor is doing, and a lot of times they look at the pastor to be an expert or proficient at a lot of different things, or they look at, hey, you're leading this organization, you're leading this church, you should be an expert at all this. Whereas even in corporate America, the CEO is not an expert at everything that that organization does. 
They have staff, sometimes hundreds and if not thousands of people to support the organization. Yet sometimes we put the expectations on our senior pastors or our lead pastors as, oh, no, you have to be perfect and an expert in all of these things. And if you're not, something is wrong with you. And I would just echo that. Barna had a study that came out. This is an older Barna study. This was, I think, back in 2009. And the result of it was that members of a congregation expected their pastor to be proficient in 16 competencies. Wow. And, you know, I spent 20 years in the corporate arena. There is nobody that would succeed in the corporate arena with that kind of job description. Mm -hmm. Nobody in the corporate world is that naive, first of all, to think that there's one person who could actually pull that off. But somehow there is this sense that he or she is Superman or Superwoman in that lead pastor role. Mm. I wonder how much faith leaders inadvertently or inadvertently play into that stereotype and play into that expectation, maybe even hold it themselves. Mm. So can you speak a little bit to that and then to the importance of the work of the full strength network? Sure. I'll let John speak on that because he was a lead pastor for many years. So I think that there's something to that, Ben, you know, that there is a sense that for some pastors that I'm the man. Mm-hmm. You know, I can do it all by myself. It's interesting when we visit a church that's asking us for help, and I see the pastor leading worship, doing announcements, greeting guests, preaching, delivering a response call, praying for people that come up to respond. And I think to myself, you have no idea what you're setting yourself up for, buddy. Mm-hmm. That makes me nervous for that individual. So I do think there is some of that, especially, I think, among The older crew, the older leaders, I think younger leaders coming up have a a better grasp of sharing the load. But yes, I do think some of that self-inflicted, I think, is what you were asking. Yeah, I spent 10 years in pastoral ministry, not as the lead, but as the exec. And I think, to your point, Ben, is what I did personally was I put an unhealthy sense of responsibility, I think, on what I was doing. Mm. And I didn't think it was in a bad way, but it probably was in a bad way. It was like, not that I thought that, oh, I'm the only one that can do this, but it was like, this work is so important. It almost takes precedent over other things. At sometimes it takes precedent over family, friends, my time. I was giving more to the church or the job than I was to myself or my family. Mm. So I think sometimes you go at it with good intentions, but it actually is more harmful. And harmful, not just to you as the minister or the pastor or the faith leader, but harmful to the congregation as well, right? Because there will be moments where you can't be there. And so if folks aren't used to stepping into those roles, then the community itself is going to have a much more difficult time adjusting and transitioning. And so it seems like the harm goes both ways. Well, the church was not established. Jesus didn't establish his church to be led by a solo individual. It was a community of believers that actually led the church. And so we probably need to look a little bit more like that as the lead pastor, even in a small congregation, say you're leading 50 people out in, you know, rural America somewhere, it still needs to be a community of believers and everyone needs to be supportive. The senior pastor shouldn't be doing every single thing. That's right. Yeah, it's interesting. One of the coolest models that I've seen in my work in Northeast Indiana, I won't out the congregation, I mean, it's a good thing, but they have five pastoral leaders 
that share 2.75 FTE. And I think FTE is full-time equivalent. So they have 2.75 FTEs in the congregation, but that's spread out among five people and all of them are bivocational. And so the way that I've seen them meet together to talk about what's happening in their congregation, the center's had the pleasure of working with them on a number of initiatives. And it's just been such an interesting dynamic. And in talking with them, they've even said that, you know, look, because all of us also have another job, it's incumbent upon other people in the congregation who aren't even on this pastoral team that they have to step up and be a part and really help carry the load because none of us can do that. Hmm. You know, if I had heard that when I was in seminary, I would view that congregation as maybe being held back by the structure that they have. But now seeing the practice of ministry happening, Hmm. there's just a beautiful sharing of responsibility that happens within that congregation that I really admire. Hmm. Yeah, well, John mentioned, you know, the next generation. My son works at a church here locally in Arizona where I live, and they get it. It's all about collaboration. It's all about group. It's all about doing this together more so than single individual leading everything. Mm -hmm. So in light of all of those things that we've just talked about, Marty and John, how can congregations better support their leadership? What are the things that you, John, in your coaching, you, Marty, as the president and CEO of your organization, what are the positive models that you've seen where congregational communities really support and help their leadership be healthy and find the support that they need? I think one thing that congregations can do to better support their leadership is to applaud them for the right things. Mm. Applaud them for prioritizing their day off, for living with margin, for investing properly in their marriage and in their parenting if they have children. I think applauding, when I was a young lead pastor, Matt, I got applauded for a lot of the wrong things. I got applauded for how hard I worked how selfless I was. And I know selflessness is a good character quality, but there's a sick side to the head where I totally forget that I'm a human being that has to care and feed his own internal life. And so I think that would be such a huge blessing to a pastor, to a staff member, to hear their people applaud the things that speak to health and longevity. Mm. Yeah, along that, self-care is not selfish. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. You know, to that point is one of the commandments is keep the Sabbath. You know, it's holy. And that applies to pastors. Yes. And they need to create that Sabbath in their lives and in their week. And you need to allow them to do that. You need to allow them to be a husband, to be a father, to be a wife, to be a spouse. You need to allow them to do that. And so from a congregational standpoint, you got to give them that space. Mm-hmm. You've got to allow them to do the things that they need to do to stay healthy and to stay strong and to have a good marriage and to be a good parent because they need to lead their family or whatever context they're in, lead that well, so then they can lead their ministry well. Yeah, I heard somebody once talk about wilderness rescue training. I used to work at a challenge course when I was in seminary, and they talked about wilderness rescue. And one of the first rules of wilderness rescue is you don't put yourself in a dangerous situation to help somebody else out of a dangerous situation. For instance, somebody's at the bottom of a gorge, clearly hurt very badly, but if you don't have the right equipment to make sure you can safely get down to them, you don't go because then basically you're laying alongside with them in that same situation. Hmm. And I've felt a resonance with that around exactly what you've been talking about, about how we're supposed to sacrifice and we're supposed to stay busy and we're supposed to advance the kingdom. But when we're doing so, when we're not in a place of safety, we not only are putting other people that we're trying to help in danger, but we're also putting ourselves in danger. And it would be great if congregations can understand that, that the health of their clergy leader 
is so important because that's going to affect the health of the congregation. And so, John, I love what you said about applauding and maybe finding ways to incentivize those behaviors of self-care, right? Yes, that's right. You know, it's not lost on me that pastors tend to influence their congregation disproportionately. You know? mm-hmm. And so if a pastor is healthy, if they're taking care of their internal life, they have a great marriage, that sets the table for their church to reach its full potential. That is, I believe, the most influential thing a pastor can do. There's two things. is one, to bring a healthier, more aligned, less anxious version of themselves to the leadership role and bring a thriving marriage to the mix. And those, to me, are two of the most powerful influences on a congregation a leader can have. Hmm. Wow. That's an awesome perspective. Marty, did you have anything to add to that? I, I can't add anything to that. It was... You know, I just agree with everything John says. So I, I there's nothing for me to add other than just say ditto. And yeah, yeah. Marty, I might say something you don't like. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> so from the experience that you two have had with clergy leaders, are there any impacts of clergy stress on themselves or the congregation that are often not discussed or not seen that maybe kind of fly under the radar for people? I, well, we see it every day because pastors and ministry leaders aren't talking about it. They're not going to get up in front of their congregation and say, oh, by the way, I've been in isolation for the last two years. Even though I've been here every week and you see me doing my job, I'm living in isolation. I don't have any friends. I don't talk to anybody. I go home and binge Netflix every night to deal with what's going on. They're not admitting that, but they're dealing with that. Sometimes ministry leaders just need a safe place to talk to somebody, to go have that conversation, to commiserate, or to talk to somebody that understands what they're going through. Because unfortunately, we talked about it earlier, the congregation doesn't get it. They expect their pastor to be Superman, to be Superwoman, to be better than they are. And unfortunately, they're not, but they're not going to talk about that. That's what, you know, the congregation just doesn't hear that. And the pastor's not going to get up and say, oh, by the way, I'm struggling with this. Mm-hmm. I would add to that that most pastors aren't going to self-disclose about dealing with anxiety or depression. And there's so many reasons why they struggle to do that. One, they feel like they've got to be the man. You know, they got to be the leader. How can I be a leader if I'm struggling with these difficult emotional issues of anxiety and depression? And so the elongated stress of pastoral ministry, if not dealt with, cared for properly, often leads. And I think it was in 2021 that Barna reported 50% of lead pastors in the United States were struggling with depression. All-time high number. That number has historically hovered around 40%, but there was a significant uptick and much of it was pandemic-related. But the point is, is that pastors are not going to stand up. Most pastors won't stand up on a Sunday morning and say, you know what? I'm really struggling with anxiety. I'm having anxiety attacks. I can't sleep or I'm so depressed. I'm sitting at home crying for no reason that I can put my finger on. And so I think those are two huge things that are often hidden from a congregation and I think I kind of understand that, Matt, in a way, because when you're in the middle of major depression, 
you have so much fear going on in your head. The last thing you really want to do is open that up to a large group of people mm-hmm. because you are afraid. What are they going to do with that information? So I would say that would be two that just jump right out at the top for me. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I had the pleasure of being a part of a very small group of clergy in Fort Wayne that a guy that we know informally put together, essentially it was a Celebrate Recovery 12-step program with a group of, I think, three or four local clergy leaders. And of course, we maintain confidentiality and all that kind of thing. It was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. The depth of sharing that happened and the level of support that happened among those who were part of that group. And yeah, I, and I hear that, you know, that's not necessarily something that needs to be shared publicly with your entire congregation, but maybe just, you know, a trusted circle of folks that you know that can handle that level of difficulty that you're going through. And Matt, if I could just say one more thing about that, I think if a pastor is going through those major issues while he or she are in the depths of that, it's not a real good time to go public with it. It's much better, I think, after you've gotten toward a healthier foundation, then I think it's okay to open up about it. But I wouldn't suggest opening up about it while you're still bleeding profusely Mm -hmm. emotionally because you're so raw in that moment. And I don't know that you sharing that level that, hey, I'm a mess and I don't know if I'm ever going to get out of this is helpful to anybody. It might feel, you know, somewhat cathartic to the pastor in the moment, but I'm all for that leader opening up that part of their life when they're well on their way toward healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because one of the things that they might say during that time is, and it's you people sitting out there are the ones that are causing this in me mm-hmm. type of thing, which not every time, but they're contributing to some of that unhealth mm-hmm. because they don't understand. We talked about earlier, they just don't understand what you know the pastor is going through or their expectations of how perfect that life should look like. Mm-hmm. And because of that, that's just contributing to the depression, the anxiety, some of the things that the pastor might be going through at that time. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, we're going to wrap up here in just a minute with one more question, guys, but I want to throw out a couple of things. Number one, for anybody listening, John is going to be doing education events for the Center for Congregations on October 11th and October 18th. Those are in 2022. So if you're hearing this before then, you can go to our website at centerforcongregations.org slash workshops, and you'll be able to register for those events soon. If this is after those dates, shoot us an email at podcast at centerforcongregations.org, and we can provide you with a recording of those education events. We're happy to do that. But John is going to be sharing basically his knowledge as a coach with congregational leaders around the state of Indiana. And Marty, can you talk a little bit about Full Strength Network in general? We haven't touched on that, but I'm a big fan of your program. And I think, you know, this is not a paid slot. (laughs) We are not (laughs) at Advertising Full Strength because they're paying us anything, but we just found them. They found us. We talked and we believe in their ministry and what they're doing. So can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Well, we touched about it briefly, but we realized that pastors and church staff are so focused on caring for others and serving others, they don't take care of themselves. And so what Full Strength does is it gives confidential expert resources to pastors and anyone on a church staff, whether that be certified licensed counselors, whether that be professional coaches like John. We talked about groups, the group that you were in, Matt. We call them peer huddles. 
where 10 or 12 others, what you get together once a month and talk through things. And John actually oversees all of our peer huddles for us as well. Just great, rich, deep content that we give out to all of our members and things like that in all areas of well-being. So it's ways that we can kind of meet the pastor, meet that church staff member where they are. Because here's the thing, we want to help them where they are and get them healthy so they can live well and so they can then lead well. That's great. This is an editorial note. You don't have to answer this question if you don't want to, but I think the price point of what you do is what's ridiculous. So do you want us to address that or do you want to leave that out of the recording? Sure. Yeah, we can do that. Okay. So how we do that, Matt, how we serve you know pastors and church staff is we create a membership program, a membership model, a membership community. And for $149 a year, a church, a pastor can receive 12 sessions with a licensed therapist, a certified coach, and also we care about their family as well. So their spouse or family member can receive an additional 12 sessions. So in addition to the other things we talked about, the peer huddles, the content, all of that. So for technically less than the cost of Netflix, their family, that family can receive thousands of dollars worth of benefit and resources to help in their well-being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for anybody out there who is not familiar with counseling or coaching, that cost, $149 per year, is basically the cost of literally a single session with a licensed mental health counselor or a coach. So for the cost of one session out of pocket, you can receive 12 months as well. Ben, did you want to chime in? Just really want a clarification. Marty, are you daring to suggest that counseling is somehow more impactful than Netflix? I feel like our viewers just need to know. <laughs> um, no, I, you know, I'm not daring to suggest that. I'm just saying that I think pastors actually use Netflix as a form of counseling <laughs> yes. when they're in isolation. They go and like, I'm just going to watch, you know, seven hours of this. Mm-hmm. Whereas what I'm suggesting is maybe there's another alternative. It's, hey, maybe I should go actually talk to somebody about why I'm watching seven hours of television mm-hmm. and a straight shot. So that's all I'm suggesting. Yeah, actually, maybe I would say, yeah, it actually is better than watching television. <laughs> I would say actually focusing on your well-being might be better than watching television. Yeah, I agree. But it sounds like we can do Netflix and. So, you can, you know, maybe, yeah. Maybe yeah. less Netflix. Maybe but less. Netflix and. Yeah. I think your church can find $15 a month to help you in your well-being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So we will link to both of the organizations that these gentlemen are a part of in our show notes. John, I'll ask you this question in a moment, but I'll start with Marty. If anybody wants to follow you on social media or any ways to contact you or follow your work, do you have any places where folks can check you out? Sure. The best place to follow us is just actually going to our website at fullstrength.org. All of our social media links are in that. On our staff page, I'm there. You can email me at that link on our webpage as well. Perfect. Great. And for you, John, where can folks find you? Um, At Converge Coach on Twitter. And Facebook, convergecoaching.com slash Facebook. Website is convergecoach.com. And we also have a weekly podcast, Leading from Alignment. That's on Spotify, iTunes, and also is broadcast on Facebook. Awesome. Great. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much. Just letting folks out there know, especially clergy leadership and staff of congregations, you are not alone. There are fantastic resources available to you to help you and support you in your health and well-being. And so thank you, Marty and John, so much for being here. Very much appreciate you and your work. So thanks so much. Great. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having us, Matt. Absolutely. Take care, y'all.
So as expected, we came out of that conversation with John and Marty, and you as a listener probably didn't catch it, but my internet did indeed cut out halfway through the interview, so I missed a chunk of what was said, which is unfortunate because I was really getting into it. Probably user error. (laughs) I can't deny that. It could have been... (laughs) (laughs) But regardless, I was gone. But what I did hear was really rich and really beautiful. And what I appreciated about it most was the level of nuance that was discussed. I loved being able to get into this dialogue about responsibility when it comes to boundaries, right? I think it's important for congregants to recognize that there is some level of responsibility that they carry in helping clergy hold boundaries. I think in any relationship, boundaries are a two-way street. We often talk about kind of setting our own boundaries, and that's important. But in a healthy relationship, you are helping someone uphold the boundaries you've heard them name as well, right? It goes both ways. And I think congregants need to do the same thing. And it's important for clergy to be aware of the boundaries that are healthy for them and to put those in place. Because I think as clergy members, you know, many, many people get into the ministry because of their hearts and their spirits and they feel a call. And it's easy to just pour and pour and pour out without taking time for yourself to be poured back into. And that is unhealthy for you, unhealthy for the people that love you, and ultimately unhealthy for your congregation. And so I really appreciated being able to talk about both angles of clergy burnout and clergy care. And I wonder, Matt, what stood out to you? Well, I just loved how they kicked it off and just the reminder that clergy leaders have the same life stressors as everybody else, Mm -hmm. that there are money concerns, family concerns, schedule concerns, dealing with what's happening in society, you know, all of the same kinds of things that I think I grew up, I mean, it was probably when I was really young, but there was just this sense that clergy are above all of that, Mm -hmm. that nothing touches them. And we got into that a little bit in the interview as well, but just the reminder that they're people just like you and me. And, you know, if we're to believe from the Christian scriptures about the idea of a priesthood of all believers, like, yes, they have a special calling. Yeah but they don't have some kind of special status with God that no one else does, but Mm -hmm. they're partners with us in the journey. And yes, they might be taking a bit of a leadership and a shepherding role, but they also need to be cared for as well. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. And that's why I get really excited about an organization like Full Strength Network. You know, as big Mm -hmm. as an emphasis as we've seen placed upon mental health since 2020, it's really exciting to see organizations and people step up and say, hey, we see this need. This is what we're doing to meet it. And so I'm thrilled. I not only hope more people take advantage of both Converge Coaching and Full Strength Network, but I hope more organizations crop up like this so that people all across the country and and even all across the world, ministers all across the world, have access to affordable, low-cost coaching and counseling because it is sorely needed. Yeah, absolutely. And we also wanted to take the opportunity in this episode to highlight clergy rules because they are unique in a lot of ways. But also, I would love this to just be a reminder that even if you're in lay leadership mm-hmm. in a congregational setting, your job is hard and the self-care principles apply to you as well. And even if you're just a member of a congregation, chances are there are aspects in your life, whether you have a job or whether you are managing your household or whatever pressures and stressors you have, you need support as well. And so just as a message for everyone to look for ways that you can find support from other people that you know, just really prioritizing friendships and relationships that will nurture you and support you. We all need better support systems at this time. So we didn't want to do this episode with the understanding that, you know, clergy are the only people who may be struggling, you know, based on the last several years we're we're all struggling. We're all struggling and we need support and we need help. And so just to put that out as a general call to anyone listening, to make sure you think about that and prioritize that for your life. Yeah. Thank you for that, man. I know you and I have talked a lot and 
had my fair share of struggles these last two years as well. So without people to share that with and to, to carry that burden with, like yourself, it would have been a lot harder to get through to the other side. So we definitely mean that for those listening that might be struggling. Please prioritize your care as well. Yeah. And in light of that, in terms of resources, so of course, we're going to list the Full Strength Network and Converge Coaching. But I also wanted to bring up Preparing for Amazement Ministries, which is located, I believe, in Auburn, Indiana, that their tagline is empowering and equipping churches and leaders to create lasting and transformational health. And I know Marcus Carlson, the founder, actually met with him yesterday for lunch, and he's in the same boat. As an organization, they are looking to help people be healthy in all senses of that so that the ministry of the congregational world can move forward. So just another organization out there that does this kind of work that I want folks to be aware of. So that will also be part of our resource recommendations for today. Yeah, thanks, Matt. That's a phenomenal resource. And I'm not going to bring any quote unquote new resources to y'all because I think the ones that were already listed in the episode are enough. But similar to what I've done before, I do want to point back to a couple different podcast interviews we've already had that are related to this interview. So the first, I'm going to take y'all way, way back. If you're a new listener to the podcast, you might not have caught this episode when it aired. But I'm going to take you to the interview we did with Hillary McBride. This was back in October of 2020, so almost a little over two years ago. And it's season one, episode three, Do We Have to Hide Our Pain? And I'm pointing this episode because Hillary McBride is talking about mental health resources, the importance of caring for your mental health, small things you can do to monitor and check your mental health. And then in the podcast, we also linked some great resources from the CRG, which is the Congregational Resource Guide, which include a webinar about leadership and grief, a conversation for pastors, the mental health first aid kit, the National Alliance of Mental Illness, Spiritual First Aid, and what does it mean to be trauma-informed as a ministry. So there's some great resources in the podcast collection for that episode. So check out the episode, season one, episode three, Do We Have to Hide Our Pain? And check out the collection and the resources in that collection on the CRG. And then the second episode I will point you to is season three, episode six, titled Don't Be a Clergy Killer. And this was an interview that Matt and I did with Reverend Callie Smith and Dr. Rob Saylor. They're part of the Clergy Renewal Program of the Lilly Endowment that operates out of Christian Theological Seminary here in Indianapolis. And basically, that's just an opportunity in any way for clergy leaders to access sabbaticals that are paid for through this program. And so listen to that episode to learn about that clergy renewal program and and how you might take advantage of that and how you can apply for it. But also check out the resources around pastoral care and the importance of pastoral care, the importance of taking a break, the importance of sabbaticals. I think those kind of go hand in hand with what we talked about in this interview today. Yeah, and if you're a member of an Indiana congregation, call your local office. If you're looking for resources in your area or if you want more articles or maybe books on self-care, just other recommendations, that's what we're here to do. If you're outside of the state of Indiana, check out the resources that we've mentioned along with all kinds of other resources at our congregational resource guide, thecrg.org. You can go to that website and it's a free search engine to basically help find information for all kinds of aspects related to congregational life. And we want to thank not only you, our listeners, for supporting this work, but we want to thank the generosity of the Lilly Endowment. It's their support that makes this possible. And we also want to praise the skill and competence of our audio engineer, Jaden Lee, who keeps us sounding proficient at what we do. And that is no small feat. So thank you, Jaden. Yeah, we appreciate you, Jaden. So if you like this podcast, you like this episode, we'd love for you to rate and review us on iTunes or Spotify or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. The way those algorithms work, the more positive ratings we get, the more it gets advertised to other people. So if you think this might be helpful for other folks, you can let them know and also just let people know in general. Say, hey, you should check out the Center for Congregations podcast because it's the best podcast I've ever heard. 
It is the most professional, best engineered, best produced podcast in the world. And you need to check it out. And the hosts are just unreasonably good looking. I mean, (laughs) that's not a draw. I don't know what will be. But you're going to have to take our word on that. (laughs) (laughs) Faces for radio. Um, (laughs) You can also keep up to date on what we're doing by checking out our website, which is the centerforcongregations.org. As Matt mentioned earlier, check out the Congregational Resource Guide at thecrg.org. And follow us on social media. You can find us at the Center for Congregations on Facebook and Instagram. And last but not least, we want to do our geographic shout out to our listeners in Green Lake, Wisconsin. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. Thank you for teaching me about the state of Wisconsin. I didn't know there was more than Green Bay, Madison, and Milwaukee, so... Good to know. And we really appreciate you listening. Absolutely. And as a fan of it, please send us cheese. Well, I mean, I, I feel like I've got enough cheese in my life, but any other Wisconsin gear, send me some Packers gear. I can deal with that. There is no such thing as enough cheese in your life. I'm sorry. Ah, my 34-year-old digestive tract disagrees strongly, <laughs> sir. <laughs> strongly. <laughs> Well, hey, if you have thoughts or ideas for other topics that you'd like us to cover, if you have feedback or resources that we have missed, please feel free to email us at podcast at centerforcongregations.org. That just goes to me and Ben, and we love to hear from listeners. So hit us up there. Hit us up and send ideas. You know, we're going to begin planning season five very soon. And so if there are topics you want to hear us broach in season five that we haven't covered yet in the previous four seasons, email us at that email address, podcast at centerforcongregations.org, or hit us up on social media. Or you can find Matt and I's personal emails on the center's website. But we'd love to know what you want to hear about. We'd love to know people you want us to interview. So please just check in on us. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We appreciate you, and we'll be back in a couple weeks with another episode for the Center for Congregations. I am Matt Burke. And I'm going home. Take care, y'all. Bye, everybody. Thank you.